Good morning, everybody, and happy Rosh Chodesh. Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Kufya Dalad and Bezat Hashem finishing the uh, 14th parak of Yavamus. But we start eight lines down on Kufya Gimel Amad Bez, pretty much as far behind as we've been in a while, and here we go. The Mishnah was talking about the fact that if two um, totally cognitively with it uh, people, a man and a woman, both totally competent, Bardas, got married, Right, but the woman nishtates. Right, she lost her mental competence uh, during the time that they were married. The Mishnah ruled that the man can no longer divorce her. Now, the man can't divorce her, as we said, for the sake of kiddushin. You need to have mutual das. Right, both the man and the woman have to know what's going on. For gerushin, only really the man needs to know what's going on, but he, but the woman. Well, I'll say it this way. It has to be mutual consent for Kiddushin. But for Gershin, it's only the man that has to, so to speak, decide. But the woman has to have some level of Das. So if she doesn't have any Das at all, then maybe we should not, then, then she cannot accept the get, as we'll see. So the Gemara says, Lama Rabbi Yitzchak, Dvar Torah Shotamit Karesha. That really, Mikar Adin, she doesn't need to have any Das at all, says Rabbi Yitzchak. And therefore, that Mida Oraisa, a man can, in fact, divorce a woman once she had become a shota. However, our Mishnah is talking about a derabanan. Our Mishnah is talking about that uh, Chazal wanted to protect her. Rabbi Yitzchak's uh, reasoning is as follows. How does he know that Minatora, the shota, can be mitkareshet? Because even if she had her full faculties and she did not want to get divorced, right, which you would say is even worse, right? This is not neutral. This is a woman who is against getting divorced and has all of her full faculties, and yet, Mita Orisa, you can divorce her. And therefore, certainly a woman who is not, doesn't have a strong opinion either way, Mita Orisa, you should be able to divorce her unilaterally. So why, therefore, do we see in our Mishnah that we say that you cannot be Megarish a woman once she has become a Shota during marriage? Right? Because we don't want people to take advantage of her. Now the Gemara asks, so now we start parsing it, splitting the atom and saying, well, what level of das does she have? If she has enough das to watch over her get, to watch over herself, nobody's going to take advantage of her if that's the case, or at least that shouldn't be a concern. And therefore the man, remember, the man can, you know, now he is um, committed to, in sickness or in health, right, to take care of her for the rest of her life no matter what. But if she could take care of herself, so why does... Uh, he need to stay and keep her on. Case must be she she can neither take watch her get right, meaning that if she doesn't if she can't hold on to the gets, then we don't even she doesn't even hold on to her status as a megureshet, meaning not literally she doesn't have to physically be holding it obviously, but if she doesn't even know what's going on below atma or she can't take care of herself, so then that's why the chazal must have made the um, right the takana that you cannot divorce her. But now the Gemara asks, if that's the case, so Dvar Torah, Shota, Mit Garesha, Gemara says, all of this having been said, is it really even true that Min HaTorah, you're going to say that a man can unilaterally divorce a Shota wife? Now we're going to bring sources to say that that may not be true. Because even for even though Gerashen does not require the woman's consent, it would probably require at least some level of Das, she has to know what's going on. Those are two different things, right? 
That's what Rebbe Nasan Beyada means in the Parsha of Gittin in the Torah, right? It says that the get has to be deliberately placed into her hand. So the drasha that Rabbi Yana has is in the Gemara, that in order to accept a divorce and for the divorce to work, she must have, right, the ability to have a yad. A yad implies some level of awareness that she knows that she's getting divorced. Without that, you can't have a gerasha, and he's reading that into the psukim of the Torah itself. And therefore, it seems like even Midar Raisa, Shota should not be able to be divorced. That's Rabbi Yanai. Vitana Rabbi Shmuel. Furthermore, a different drasha to the same end to try to prove the same point that a woman needs to have das to get divorced. It says Vishil Beito, right? A continuation of that parsha. It says she sent out of his house. Well, guess what? It says the drasha Misha Mishal Chaveina Chazeres, right? In other words, Vishil Beito means you send her out of the house. Well. If you divorce a woman and she's a shota, she doesn't even know and she keeps coming back, that is not a divorce. In other words, she has to have at least the mental awareness to realize she's hold, she's gotten divorced and not come back, right? Which is to say that the Torah is telling you. If the woman is of the opinion, is of the, um, right, it does not have the awareness that she's gotten divorced and she's going to keep coming back, that divorce does not work Mida Raisa. And therefore, Mida Raisa, even, you should not be able to divorce a woman that's a shota. So that's what we're saying here. So the Gemara says no. Rabbi Yitzchak, when he says that Midah Raisa, a woman is Midah is talking about the following case. In other words, those cases of Rabbi Yana and Rabbi Shmuel, where he's saying that she needs to have a Yad, she needs to know that she's divorced, that's true. That's what we mean when we say Yodas Lishmar Gita. That means that she has enough Das to know that she's been divorced and she's not coming back. But, but she can't take care of herself. She's not self-sufficient that way. And she's going to be taken advantage of. And it's in that case, that she can, because she, she is divorced. However, right? However, however, Chazal said, no, don't send her out. And it's in that case, Rabbi Yitzchak was saying, that our mission was saying that we don't let her out simply because we do not want her to be taken advantage of. To which Abaye says that, in fact, Sounds very meduyak in our Mishnah. That's precise. Daikanami. Amar Baya Daikanami. Dektani Gabi Dida. Nishtatis Lo Yotzi. With respect to the woman, it said if she became a Shota, he cannot divorce her. And watch this. Gabi Diday. Remember, if he became a Shota, now he no longer has what? The Das to initiate a divorce, right? Because you need a Das for that. So in the case where she. Uh, remained stable, but he lost, but he lost it, and is now a shota, lo yotzi olamis. There it says he could never divorce her. Well, why does it say that he can never divorce her? And in her case, it just says lo yotzi without the word olamis. Ah, maishna hacha dektani olamis, umaishna hasam delogtani olamis. Says the Gemara, elishmamina hada raisa hada rabbanan. The fact that it says olamis is to indicate the fact that when a man becomes a shota, he cannot divorce her mida or raisa. Because he has no intellectual power to do so. When a woman becomes a shota, as long as she has the mental capacity to realize that she's gotten divorced, as we've said, she still can be a shota and, and receive a get and divorce would work. Uh, but for the fact that if she can't watch herself, there is a derabanan that she cannot be divorced because we want her to be protected. Good. So now next stage, Amar Yochanan Minuri. So that's three lines down in the wide over here. Iboilu. They asked the following question. Yochanan Benuri. 
What's the question? Well, you go back, right, to the Mishnah, and Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri had a statement in the Mishnah. He had a question. What was his question? He said, I'm Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri. I'm, I'm quoting from the Mishnah. He says, Yes, a funny question. Now we're going back to a woman who became not a Shota, but a Cheresh. So he said, why is it that when a woman becomes a Cheresh's, during the marriage, you can divorce her. But when the man becomes a cherish during the marriage, you cannot, he cannot divorce the woman. Well, I'm below, ain't no dome, right? The mission is saying, what are you talking about? Uh, the woman, if she becomes a cherish, she could still receive a get. A get, after all, is a unilateral thing, right? Where the man is, uh, is actually initiating and the woman receives. A cherish is not like a shota. If she's a cherish, she understands what's going on. That getting is fine. As opposed to a man who's a cherish, we assume that he cannot initiate because he does because that requires a higher level of capacity. And that was the answer that we gave Rabbi Yochanan. But the question the Gemara is asking now is, which was obvious to him? That a woman can, can receive a get or that a man cannot give a get? Right? That's the halacha. That the man who's a cherish can't, uh, can't give a get and the woman that is a cherish can receive a get. Which one of these... Was, was confusing to him, right? So again, Rabbi Yochanan Manuri said, why, what's the difference between a man and a woman? Where a woman can't, right, where a woman can receive a get and a man can't give a get. So the Gemara is asking, was it pasha to him that a woman can receive a get? Right? Uh, I'll read it inside again. So Yibailu, Rabbi Yochanan Manuri, Ish Pshitalai, was it pasha to him that a man cannot divorce his wife? Ish Kami Bailai? And, uh, and therefore the question was, why is it that a woman can receive a get? Or maybe it was pasha to him that a woman can receive a get, because after all, a get is unilateral. And what, what was weird for him is that a man can do a, a divorce. So what was his, uh, so what's the answer? In other words, what was pasha and what was the question? So the Gemara answers like this. Tashma. It's following. Now we're going to see like this. What was the answer that the rabbi said, right? The, the, it says in the Mishnah, that they answered him the following. What did they say? They said, So watch this, the structure of how they said it. That structure makes it sound like the subject of the sentence is the ish. And that was the question. He just didn't know why a cherish, right, uh, cannot initiate a get. They said, well, that cherish of which you speak when he's a man cannot do it because he's not similar to the ish amit Because as we've said, a woman, albeit requiring das for gerishin, does not need consent. And therefore, because the woman does not need consent, when she's a chereshes, she can be divorced. Whereas the man, right, although he has enough das as a cherish to do some things, he doesn't have enough das to initiate a divorce. That's not considered consent. It sounds from the structure of the Mishnah that what was surprising to Rabbi Yochanan was why the man Right, can initiate as a cherish the divorce. Wherever the Gemara says not necessarily. In other words, when you have a sentence and you say you can really read it both ways. That's all that means. It just means that <laughs> which is the subject of the sentence. So you might say, uh, you know, you, you might say and start the sentence with that in order to indicate that that what's really is the subject and that's the question that Rabbi Yochanan had. Or you could say, no, the woman is, the, the, the man can divorce, but the woman 
That's the question. You know what I mean? In other words, the way you say the sentence does not necessarily give it away as to which was the question of Yochanan, and therefore the Gemara entertains both possibilities, and we can't know from the structure of the Mishnah which was his question and which was uh, obvious to him. So the question. So therefore, now we have to revise what we thought Rabbi Yochanan was saying. What was Rabbi Yochanan was saying when he was asking the question? The following: right, He was asking the question with respect to the Rabbi, the, the Rabbanan themselves, according to their opinion. In other words, as follows: says the Gemara, That's a fascinating thing. In other words, we say he holds, says Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri, that he's consistent. In other words, a woman cannot be divorced because a man cannot divorce. In other words, all he's saying is that there needs to be, and the art scroll hooks us up because this isn't Rashi, it's not explained, but he quotes a Karen Ora. Karen Ora explains it simply as follows, that the woman, as we've said, we don't need her consent in order to get divorced, Right? But even though she has to realize that she that she's giving the divorce, well, guess what? He thinks that that should be the same, right, for a man. In other words, right? In other words, just like when we say a cherish cannot right um, affect the divorce, the woman also should not be able to be divorced when they are. Uh, a cherish. Okay, so El Leditru, because that's the sheet of Yochanan. He's asking, according to you, Maishna Isha, Maishna Ish. In other words, the, the question was actually, uh, somewhat valid in the sense that he thinks that the amount of das that you need for consent, right, may have to be the same. And the cherish, basically, he's saying, can't have consent. So therefore, if you can't have consent, so a man shouldn't be able to initiate a divorce even. In other words, a cherish man, even though it's true that the woman can be married without her, can be divorced rather without her consent, right? If she does not have the das for consent, then the man shouldn't have the das, right? If he's a cherish to initiate a divorce. But however, but to you, why do you think that the amount of das that you need for consent is not necessary for a woman? And yet you think that the man has enough das in order to have enough consent to initiate a divorce, right? Elidithui asks, Maishna Isha, Maishna Ish. So they So they said simply it's simply not the same thing, right? In other words, we we don't think um, that if a woman has enough right so he's saying if a woman has enough awareness to receive it, why shouldn't a man have enough to give it? But they're saying that's not the truth. That we have, right, a double standard in terms of what we expect the male and the female in terms of their das in order to have a divorce. It is a unilateral procedure and therefore they don't subscribe to Rabbi Yochanan's um, idea of having to have a, a level playing field between the man and the woman. Again, we don't think it's a level playing field. We know that it's unilateral when we make a garrison. He just thought that, they, that the level of das for consent for man and woman should be the same and they answered Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri that that's not the case. Now we're two dots, eight lines up from the bottom. Of Kufir Gimel Beis and Heid Rabbi Yochanan. What was the testimony here? That a that midah raisa you can in fact right divorce the cherish woman. Okay, like this. Amar Rava Rabbi Yochanan in Gurgidah. Right, we learn Amar Laedim Ru Get Zesh Ani Noisen. So so how far does this go? In other words, according to this testimony. 
that you can in fact divorce a cherish woman, how much knowledge does she have to know of what's going on? So we already said she has to be at least aware that she's holding a get and that she doesn't come back. But can there be some level of unawareness? So what would be the following case? He says to test to Adam, Ru gets Eshani Nosen. Look at this get. So he's telling the Adam, I'm divorcing this woman. But then he goes to her, the Khereshes, the Amar Lah, the husband tells her, Kinsi Starchovzeh. Here, let me give you a Starchov. So he has he does not even notify her of the fact that she's getting this get. Harezu Megoreshes. Unbelievable. The woman's divorced. How could she be divorced? Because Rabbi Yochanan Megutta said, we don't require her consent at all. So, right? It sounds like, Rabbi says, sounds like Rabbi Yochanan Megutta, if he thinks you don't need her consent, so here, she doesn't even need to know that she's, hanging, that she's holding on a get. And the Gemara thinks that that's so obvious that it's Pashat. Says the Gemara, Pshita. Obviously, she doesn't, that this, this case would work. I would have said, doesn't she have to know at least that it's not, that it's a get? I mean, isn't she going to come back? But anyway, it's, it's saying here that, it, that she is, in fact, divorced. Maybe they told her afterwards. I don't know. It's surprising to me that this get would work at all. Because how is this Shamerit Gita? Must be that you're saying that Shamerit Gita is talking about to the mental capacity. She has the mental capacity to hold on to the get. If she had been told that this is a get, then she would have not come back. She wouldn't come back. LMI, she has the mental capacity, and yet she was duped. She wasn't even told that she was going to get, and it still works, which is mind-boggling. Since he said to her, you might have thought, so why is it even a chiddush that she's divorced? Because you might have thought that from the fact that he says that it's a shtarchov, that's the only concern we have. The only concern we have is when he literally just told his wife that it's a shtarchov instead of a get, maybe he had an it unintentionally been um, mevatel get just with what he said. Kamash Malan, no, that even though he told her the wrong thing, he said the batlay, if he had really wanted to legitimately de- cancel the get, then he would have said something else to the Adam. In other words, it's clear what his intentions were, right? He told the Adam, I'm about to divorce my wife, I'm going to give her this get, watch this. So once he said that, it doesn't matter what he says to her. He could tell her anything he wants, she's going to be divorced. It's surprising. Okay, right? And from the fact that he didn't say to the Adam that it's a shtarchov, then whatever he said to her was not mevatalit. And the question then becomes, why would he, why then, if he really wanted to divorce her, did he tell her that it's a shtarchov? What's that about? If not to be mevatal his original intention to divorce her, well, well, the reason why he may not have told her that she, he's divorcing her is because it's awkward, Andrew. And he didn't want, he wanted to avoid confrontation. Um, I've, uh, in a different context, I've had trouble, Andrew, and we'll talk about this. Um, well, this is one of the reasons I don't like being a boss is I can't fire people. And so I had a woman and I couldn't fire her. I told her, we've hired somebody with a, with a more expanded skill set to fill your position. And so thank you so much for everything that you do. But we hired somebody with a bigger skill to fill your position and, and I'm very grateful to you. And then the next day she showed up to work, Andrew. Because I wasn't clear enough. This is a true story. So sometimes when you don't want to tell somebody bad news, you end up not getting the point across and being a little bit obtuse, Barry. All right. Two lines up from the bottom, Kifigim Gimel and 
He once lost the keys to the base medrash. This is launching, this is really where we should have stopped yesterday, but we didn't get to it. This is launching a whole new so yeah, that'll take us to the end of the parak. What is the topic, guys? Do you have to save somebody from an Avera? What does that have to do with here? Well, as we'll see, suppose you have a cherish that's in a marriage that they're not allowed to be in. Do you have to extract them from that marriage? So you'll say, well, they're not allowed to be in the marriage. Yeah, but they don't know. Cherish is not chayven mitzvahs. It would be a tantamount to a katan, right, who ate treif. So, of course, you want to avoid, and the timtum alev and all that, you want to avoid it happening. But that's an actual question. And our Gemara, I'll spare you the suspense. We're going to go all the way to the end of the parak now, and the Gemara will not resolve it here. The post can say you should really try to avoid it. But the question of whether, halachically, technically you have to extract someone who has no chiv, like a child, from eating treif is an interesting sugya indeed, and it all appears right here, because it applies to the cherish in the illegal marriage. So let's start with the kid first. So what was the first case? It had nothing to do with food or with uh, kiddushin. First thing that had to do with was havar sal amos rabim, which is an avera. So what did he do? He, he, he's like, he gets the, to shul, he says, oh no, my keys fell in the rabim, the keys to the Aron Kodesh. We can't have davening now. What are we going to do? So also the Rabbi, so Rabbi Bishapta, right? So also the Rabbi Padas and Amalei. So they went to the rabbi. Rabbi Padas says, Amalei zil, devar tali as we arrive, kufi dalad, amadalaf, devar tali vitalia. Go get some kids. Let him play over there. Guess what? You know what a kid does when he sees a shiny key? He picks it up. It's a guarantee. And they're going to bring it. You're not telling them to bring it. You're just telling them, go play over there. Did you ever have the thing with the, with the little baby when somebody turned the light off by accident and you kind of like rub them up against the wall like, hey, baby, don't you see this nice toy, this light switch? We're about to see. That already you cannot do. Okay, That's called using your yadayim. But here, he's not using his yadayim. He's just saying, hey, do you guys want to go play hopscotch over there? They're going to see the shiny key. They're going to bring it to shul. Guaranteed. You're allowed to do that? Reb Fadas sounds like he says that you can. Alma Kasavar says the Gemara. He's saying a little bit more than that. He's kind of encouraging it. But be that as it may, certainly it sounds like he's saying when a kid is sitting down eating Miki D's, Shalom, the Bezdin doesn't have a chiyuv to take it out of to take to, to take it out of his mouth, right? They can let it happen. Wow. So now we're going to spend the rest of the parak trying to approve, prove or disprove this idea of whether there's a chiv to take the Mickey D uh, or the um, whatever, to take, um, I forgot what they call the different burgers in different places, out of his hand. Whopper. Okay. Right? Like this. We have a brysa. It says a person doesn't have to say, tell a child, not that he doesn't have to, he's not allowed to. You can't just say, Give me, right, give me, pass me this mukta thing. You can't use kids for that, even though they don't have a chiv themselves. So that you cannot do. However, elamanicho tolosh manicho zorik. Havaris dalad amos bishusarabim. I said mukta items? Yeah. So, so Barry's pointing out here is dalad amos. What's the chosam? The chosam is havaris dalad amos. That's what Rashi also says. Okay. Um, Right. 
and, and Muksa, right, because there is an issue here, which of the, we're going to get, we're going to start getting a little granular about Darabonans versus Darabonans. So Barry points out, thank you, Barry, that we're talking about Dindar Raisa, Vavaris Darad Amos. You've got to be talking about the Dar Raisa, fine. So you can't tell a kid to do Avaris Darad Amos, Midar Raisa. Okay? Ela Manicha Tolish Manicha Zorik. Yeah, you could leave him in the, in the backyard. He's ripping up everything. And he's doing, right? Kotzer, technically, right? He's being violating Malachas Dar Raisa, as Barry points out. And yet that you're allowed to, to let him do. You don't have a Chiv to bring him in from the backyard. Okay? You let the toddler play. So that seems to be a proof of, of right, um, pedas, that you don't have this chiv to, to stop that behavior. Oh. So Amar Abaye, no, not necessarily, because that brysa may not be talking about the raisas. Right away we see we're talking about this. Tolish be'ot, because over there in that case, it might be saying, Tolish be'ot is she'en or nakuv. It's in a flower pot, as we've said. If an ot is, it has holes in it. It's as if it's attached to the ground, right? And that would be like Tolish minakarka. That would be doraisa. That maybe you would have to take the kid out of the backyard. But if you're talking about a kid who's plucking out of a flower pot that doesn't have holes in it, and therefore that's a darabonon, that would be okay. And similarly, this throwing, that Barry was talking about. Maybe it's not Daladamus in a, in a Rishasar Rabim Daraisa. Maybe it's a Zorik Becharmelis Darabonon. So it's an interesting case. In other words, the Gemara is assuming, Abai is assuming that Darabonons, you certainly don't have to stop. You only have to stop the Daraisas. And really, Rapadas was talking about Daraisas, right? Navela is Daraisas. No way around that. Oh. So, seven lines down the two dots, we say Tashma. Okay. We're going to try to see if we can refute or support Rav Padas's idea that we don't have to stop this behavior. So watch watch this. So uh, there's a fire that breaks out. So the firemen come. Would you have to tell the firemen, don't put the fire out? That seems ridiculous. I, they're putting out the fire on Shabbos. Yeah, but they're not Jewish. What's the difference? So, uh, so first of all, you're not allowed to. This gets a little bit into Amir Lakum. That said, obviously, Pikuach Nefesh is Docha everything. So, of course, you call the fire department, Pikuach Nefesh, if there's anybody inside or anything like that, obviously, you call it. Let's just get that out of the way. But you see a fire, and it's burning. And there's no concern for anyone's safety, but you don't want your house to burn down. So you're not allowed to tell a guy to put it out. That's Amir Lakum, and you can't tell them. That's what it means. Ain omim lo but the but you don't have to stop them. So that's the that's the balance, right? You can't call them if there's no consequence other than the loss of the house. But you can, but you don't need to stop them. Now, of course, there, of course, you don't need to stop them. Yeah, they don't. You don't. You don't have a chiv to have a non, an akum keep Shabbos. Of course, you don't have to stop them. So the brisa continues to say, or rather, this is a mishnah and Shabbos that we've already learned. It's a little bit not what we learned. Remember we said you have to like the burning building and you have to take out Shalashudas from the building and that whole sugya? So this is not exactly a direct quote, but you, you understand what the scenario is, right? What do you, what do you like to take out of a burning building? Anyway, So that's Mishnah, or at least this version of that Mishnah is illustrating that whereas with a Akum, you have no responsibility whatsoever to stop them because obviously they don't have to keep Shabbos. A katan, you do have to, to stop them. That seems to be kenegad repadas. 
Why would you have to stop a katan who's Jewish from putting out a fire on Shabbos if you can let him eat a whopper? So the Gemara says no. That wasn't really uh, the case, right, with, with the fire. The reason why you're not allowed to do it is because, as Rashi says, He keeps looking over his shoulder and sees that dad's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, point the hose that way. That's what you're not allowed to do. Okay. So once you deflect it like that, then that, that mission is no longer a riot one way or the other. That even Bepidus would agree with. He's not saying that you, that you, he's saying you don't have to stop him, but he, obviously you shouldn't encourage him. That's the point. Now the Gemara says that doesn't sound right because the Chosei Gabi Ovid Kachavim Dos Al Das Mishari, right? In other words, now the first case and the second case are not the same because if it's true that they're looking behind their shoulders, over their shoulder, and you're encouraging them, so then it would be usser even for the Ovid Kachavim because again, that would be Amir Lakum. If the Ovid Kachavim is saying, where do you want me to point the hose? And say, yeah, yeah, point it towards my computer first. Okay, now point it towards the, the, the Leichter. Then you can't do that to Nakum either. That's Amir Lakum. So the fact that the Mishnah is saying that for the Akum it's Mutter and for the child it's not seems to imply that you're letting them just do it on their own volition. Says the Gemara, no. That's not true. Over uh, funny, uh, a funny deflection, which is, the Ovid Kachavim is always doing his own thing. So even if you're encouraging him, you say, do this first, do this first. He doesn't care what you have to say, Andrew. He's going to do his own thing anyways. And therefore, the case could be consistent where you are kind of, uh, showing, uh, your displeasure or pleasure with where they're directing the hose. And therefore, for the Jewish child, that would be Asr. But for the, for the fireman, it would be Mutter because he doesn't care what you have to say anyway. He's got his fireman protocol. He knows better than you what to put out first. He's putting out the worst fires first. Okay. So that was a case that seemed connected to Rapadas and we deflected. Now we're going to try to support Rapadas that you don't have to stop a child from doing Averas and we'll see how it goes. So Tashma, here we have a Bryce that says like this. Ben Chaver. Right. We, we, we see this. So Graham, mom, mom was a, was a flip out. She was a Balas Chuva. Okay, her parents in uh, wherever Birmingham, Alabama, not so from. But you go visit Grandpa all the time. Mom's dad. So let's say it's in Israel. They go to Afula to Grandpa, and you're not Mesukanim here is talking about Maestris. So in other words, when the kids go to Grandma and Grandpa, and we don't know whether they take off Trumas or Maestris. So they could eat the fruit. Like, we're not going to stop them. We don't have to make sure that we go with them and they don't touch any of the fruit. Mutz will be other Paris, and they come home, sure enough, and he's eating an apple. Ain't Zuckle You don't have to slap it out of his hand. In other words, it's a child. And therefore, and therefore, we don't have to worry. Well, is that a support of our Padassa? We let him eat this trephus? Not really trephus, but this not gemeisert food? So I'm Rabbi Yochanan Bidamai, hey Kilu. Well, it's not clear because really it's, there's something called demai, as we've said. Demai is you don't know. In other words, you don't know that they took off Meiser, but you don't know that they didn't take off Meiser. So there, there's a kula, right? We're not going to start, right, interrogating our parents in order to let, to know whether our kids can go eat there. Sounds like if in fact there was, you know for sure that, that grandma and grandpa aren't taking off Meisers, then you would have to. But is that true? Rabbi Yochanan said, right, when we talk, going back to the fire, right, we said that that was when it, that the only case where we are telling, saying that it's usher for the 
young Jewish child, right, to put out the fire is when the parents are encouraging him. But here there's no encouragement at all. So therefore it seems like, it sounds like Rav Padas, right? Uh, there he sounds like Rav Padas. So maybe here it's not like Rav Padas because over here after all, when it's Vadai, it sounds like we don't let him eat it. So says the Gemara, no. El Yochanan Safuke Misapkale. Yochanan, in fact, was Mesupuk. In other words, Rabbi Yochanan, right, said over here, but Demai Hikilu. Over here he said it's Demai, which sounds not like Rav Padas. And over there by the fire he says, Be'osal Das Aviv. So guess what? What we've discovered is Rabbi Yochanan modified both cases because he wasn't sure what the halacha was. The great Rabbi Yochanan, the great Gadol, wasn't sure. And therefore, when he took the two sources, he couldn't assume that they were definitively going for or against Rav, Rav, Rav Padas. Right? So that's what the Gemara is saying here. Right? He reinterpreted both sources because he couldn't commit to whether each of the sources is talking about Rav Padas. So in the fire, where we don't let him put out the fire, he said, well, that doesn't necessarily mean that we don't hold a Rav Padas. That might mean that the father is encouraging him. And in the fruit, where we let him eat at grandpa and grandma and grandpa, he says that probably because it's Demai. It's not necessarily a proof that we let him eat because we hold a Rav Padas. Maybe it's because it's Demai and not Meiser. And so he wasn't really saying definitively one way or the other. And that's why he reinterpreted those Mishnayas. Okay, we have uh, two more minutes. So he says, Tashma. Another support, Ben Chavar Cohen, Imo. So again, in the case where the same scenario, grandma and grandpa are not as religious, but in this case we have Kohanim. So the kid is a Kohen. So Kohen Amaaretz, right? Imo They're obviously Kohanim because they're grandma and grandpa, and that's how you became a Kohen, but they're Amaaretz. Okay, and, well actually both, both sides is Kohanim. Right? We don't have to assume if they ate truma, because they're allowed to, that it was tummy. Why? Because you don't have to be choshesh, because you're not, because it's a kid. And if you see the kid coming back with an apple that was truma from grandpa, you don't have to take it away. So the, again, the Gemara is going to reject that and say, be truma derabanan. That maybe if the truma was daraisa, we would say that we're concerned about the tummy, but truma derabanan, we're not concerned. So we'll pick up uh, with the Tashma, right, a little bit above from the wide lines, right after davening Bezat Hashem. Okay, so resuming 12 lines up from the wide lines and Kufi Dalet Amad Aleph. Kufi Dalet Aleph, 12 lines up from the wide lines. There was a statement about Padas. Goranowitz, we want to know whether if a child is eating not kosher, do you have to stop him? Do we have a chiv to stop him? So, Tashma, watch this. Abraisa, Yonek Tinok Vahoylach Mu Ovedes Kochavim Behematamea. A child it needs to eat, and so we allow him to nurse from a non-Jewish woman or from a behemoth tamea. And we're not choshesh; we're not concerned that he's going to be consuming something that is disgusting. That's that's technically also usher. We'll get into the details of this. So, like this, nursing from a. Ovedes kochavim are firm and non-kosher animals allowed. But you cannot feed him nivela and trefa and all that stuff. It's going to be metantin and lev, etc. Umikulan yonik mehan. And it's also going to be usher. We'll get into that. And from all of these, meaning the non-kosher animals, the over kochavim, yonik mehem, he can be yonik from them, as we just said. Can you say something fast? Okay. Yesterday, I have to say this. They okay. 
learned the end, remember? The Chayr woman says she'll stay married right. even with a Chorah. Right. But these days it's the opposite. Ah, so, so yeah, the, the, the way that those sugyas would apply to these days, it's a lot of different cultural sensitivities. But being culturally sensitive also means these guys have to go home. So I'm going to try to finish this uh, parak up quickly. So, Mikulan Yonik Mehem, Filu B'Shabbos. So the interesting thing is here that when it comes to nursing, whether it's from an animal or a non-kosher animal or a non-Jewish woman, we're even allowing it on Shabbos. What's the concern on Shabbos? Shabbos, as we will see, it's uh, it's complicated. I mean, the whole sugyas of, of Chal of Yisrael in Israel whether animals can be milked on Shabbos, there is technically a violation of the malacha of dash with, with uh, milking a cow. Mind you, milking a cow and nursing directly from a cow are two different things, and we're going to talk about that. So, they have so oh, do they have grama? What do they do? That's a good question. So in the meantime, without getting into what's done in contemporary halacha, let's just remind you that nursing directly from the animal is going to be different than... Uh, actually milking the animal, and therefore they allowed the children to nurse from the cow even on Shabbos. We're going to analyze this in a minute. But right, that's only the children. Here, gadol doesn't mean post-bar mitzvah, it means a toddler nursing. Okay, For that, it's aser. When they're a little bit older, we're more careful, as we will see. Um, okay, so now, it's a question of how old this toddler is, but be that as it may, let's just say just for infants we're going to nurse them. And now, That when it came to infants, there was a minhag that they would let infants nurse directly from a behemoth. However, she would have to be tahara and anyantiv as opposed to Shabbos. We'll see. The Gemara is going to analyze what he's saying. But again, we have a couple of superimposed things here. The f- one is the fact whether it's a kosher or non-kosher animal. So here they would do a behemoth tahora. The other thing is the Shabbos versus Yantif thing, as we'll see, with the infants. So now the Gemara discusses. Katani Miha. It was much easier in the olden days than now. Uh, different thing. Right, so Katani Mia ain't simpler times. Katani Mia ain't Choshin Bionic Shekets. So in any way, the Bryce has said like this, that we're not Choshesh uh, with a Yonish, Yonic Shekets, in other words. Uh, we'll analyze and tear apart this Bryce in a minute. But in the beginning of the Bryce, we're saying that a Katan or an infant can, in fact, nurse from a non-kosher animal, which sounds like Rav Padas, that we don't stop that from happening. Says the Gemara, that's not an indication of, of whether we um, support Rapadas, because over there, the child has no other way of eating. Well, once the child has no other way of eating, says the Gemara, well, you could do anything and everything in order to stay alive, so that wouldn't be a riot for anything, and we'd have no reason to learn it all together. So Gemara says, no. What we're learning from that price is that, no, if you have an older child, then you have to do an evaluation. You have to give him to the doctor and see whether he absolutely needs this milk. However, katanami so says the Gemara, well, katanami maybe you should also check by an infant? No. So the Gemara explains, that when it comes to an uh, infant, we're all, we don't ever have to do a check, and that's really the Chiddush of the Brisa, that with regards to the infant, their need with respect to having a milk is always assumed, and therefore evaluation would not be necessary, and that's the Chiddush of the Brisa. Now two lines up from the wide. Abba Shaul Omer. So the statement that Abba Shaul said, we're going to analyze a little bit. What was his statement? This minhug, that again, the, the, the infant would nurse directly from a kosher animal. So all of that, the animal's kosher, that's good. It's an infant, so we let him do, that's good. But it's on Yantiv, 
which interestingly, right, so this is sort of like Dush. Why do we allow it? So, hey, he dummy, what would be the case? So, says the Gemara, if it was really a Sakana and the child needed to nurse, so then you would nurse, let him do so even on Shabbos. But if the child doesn't need it, he's not in imminent danger, so why are we allowing them to do this Biyantiv? The presumption is the Malacha of Dush would apply to Yantiv as well. So the Gemara Lot Tzricha, the reason why Abishol is being Mechadish this is the Ikatsara. The, the situation is like this. The child's colicky, he's cranky, he's hungry. He's hungry, but he's not in danger. Oh. So when Makam Tsar, it's like this. Vikasavar Mefarakalachar Yadu. So again, this has, this is a, a which was a much bigger sugi when we were talking about what the Isser of milking a cow would be. It's Isser of Mefarak, which is a told of Dush, right? But be that as it may, that is when you're milking a cow directly, right, into a, a bucket. But to nurse directly would be from, right, the cow itself directly would be a kalachayad. So once you hold its kalachayad, so now it's a question. Shabbos, the isser skila, Shabbos, where the isser for violating a malacha is skila, gazer rabbanon. There they have a gazera, and that's why Rabbi Shal said that on Yantiv they would let him nurse directly from the kosher cow, but on Shabbos they wouldn't because of the isser skila, there was a gazera starbanon not to do so. However, Yantiv, the isser lav, and Yantiv where it was just an isser lav, Against, uh, having, doing dash in the normal way. Low gazer by rabbanon. There's no gazer by rabbanon. Therefore, there were no igmamokam tsar to let them actually nurse that way. So now the Gemara says like this. So, ah, uh, we're about to get back, bring it back to Yavamas because a cherish, we'll see. Toward, at the end of the park, we'll see. Right, so Tashma. But still we're with the kid that's eating, uh, the whopper. You know, it says directly in the Torah that you're not allowed to feed children or anything something that's disgusting and not kosher. And it implies that not only can you not eat it, but you can't even feed it to ketanim, as the Gemara says. To tell you that you can't even take your kids, right, the little ones or even infants, and give them non-kosher stuff. So he says like this. What are we, why are we saying lotochlum, right? In other words, because the reason is, or the other way of reading is, in other words, we know that the adults cannot eat it, so we're explaining what the diuk is. The inference is that since we know that the adults obviously cannot eat, it must be teaching you that the children, right? Or it's saying like this, is this perhaps a, um, a raya for Bedas, in other words, when the Gemara is asking, maybe what it's saying like this, in other words, means you cannot feed them. So what does it mean you cannot feed them? Does that not imply that if you saw them eating it, you'd have to stop? Is this not a support uh, or a rejection, rather, of Rav Pedas? Again, Rav Pedas said that if you see a child eating the non-kosher, you don't have a chiv to stop him. Well, when it tells you that lo tochlum, that you cannot allow them to eat it, does that not imply that if you were to see them eating it non-kosher, you would have a chiv to stop them? Not like Rav Padas? So the Gemara, lo. The, the lo, lispelahu beadaim. When it says lo tochlum, it means that you should not physically hand it to them and make it easier for them. But it doesn't really mean that you have an obligation to take it away, or that you're allowed to, 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 it just means that it could, does not necessarily need to be, um, directly contradicting Rabban Padas. It could mean that they agree with Rav Padas. And they agree that if they are eating it, you don't have to stop them. What it's really saying when it says Latochlum is, you should not serve it to them, you should not help them eat it. And therefore, this is not a source for or against 
Rav Pedas. Similarly, Tashma Kol Nefesh Mikem Adam. This is very similar. It says nobody should eat blood. That's an Isra Midar Raisa, straight up. Says the Gemara, It means that the Gedolim have to make sure that their children aren't drinking blood. So, my love, So, does that not mean that if you see your child drinking blood, that you have to stop them? And therefore, is a rejection of Rav Padas? So, the Gemara, Lo. All it means is you don't serve them blood, bloody Marys with actual blood. You don't serve them blood. But it doesn't mean necessarily that it's rejecting uh, Rav Padas' issue that you allowed to let them eat. The third uh, similar idea, Tashma. Emor ve'amarta. This has to do with Kohanim. What do you say to the Kohanim? Well, they're not allowed to, to become Tame to Masmes. So, Lahazir Gadolim al Katanim. Emor ve'amarta, the extended Lushan of you shouldn't do it and you shouldn't teach others to do it implies that you're not allowed to let your children who are Kohanim do it either. Says the Gemara, Lahazir Gadolim al Katanim. It sounds like you're not, if you have a coin family, you can't let even the little coin children touch Tuma. My love, does it not mean that if you see them coming close to the corpse, you say, hey, don't touch that? That seems to be a contradictory to, ben, to Rav Padas. I keep saying Ben Padas. To Rav Padas. Rav Padas is the one that said that boys will be boys. You let the kids do what they want and you don't have a chiv to stop them. It sounds like you do. Says the Gemara, lo, the lo, be a dime. So just like we said by all these other cases, when it says that you're responsible for the children, what it basically means is you're responsible not to facilitate them doing these averas, but it doesn't imply necessarily a chiyuv to stop them, which means it does not imply a rejection of Rav Pedas. Fine. So now that we have these three, the Gemara is just going to say, why do we need all three cases if all we're learning is the same thing, that you're not mechuyuv to stop them, but you're also not responsible, you're also not allowed to serve them. Why do we need three cases to teach you that? Says the Gemara Tzrichadish, meaning Shkatsim is returned to Amad Beis. If you would have said just the Shkatsim, the non-kosher food, Mishum Deisur and B'machu, a Shekets is even the slightest amount. It's Asr Aval Dam the Adikar Avis. Blood is only Asr Avis. Emalo, you may have thought that there maybe you wouldn't have to stop them at all, and maybe you could even, I guess, facilitate them up until a Avis. So we say no. Uh, that that's why you need dam also. Yishmin and dam. What if we only learn dam? Mishum deika karis. Well, the, once you do drink a revius, the iser on dam is a karis. Amal shratzim, which as we know is an iser malchus, right? So shratzim, right? Emalo. So there we say that perhaps it's more mekel, and therefore we don't have the problem of when the, when we see them eating the buggies. Yishmin and honey tarti. Okay, so that's what we have to have the blood. For the, right, we have to have the Shratzim for the Karis and the blood for the Revius. What about, well, or, right, I am alone, but the Shratzim for the Malchus rather and the blood for the Revius. Vi Ashmin and Hani Tarti. What if we just had the Shratzim and the blood? Why do we need this third case? Right, that's Asr for everyone. Nobody's allowed to drink blood or eat bugs. But the Kohanim, that Allah of Tumas Kohanim is only limited to them. So Aval Tuma, aim alone, because it's limited to Kohanim. Ah, uh, so that's why we have to learn that even there, right, we can't facilitate it. Vyashmin and Tuma, and what if we only learn the Kahanim and we say, well, if it's not Shavalakol, so certainly Shratzim, which is, and Dam, which is Shavalakol, you cannot facilitate, says the Gemara, no. Kohanim, Shainim, Shim, Dariba, and Mitzvahs. This idea of Tuma, maybe we're only, uh, saying that you can't facilitate the Tuma by the Kohanim, because by Kohanim, we are extra careful, and we gave him more mitzvahs, and we're just more makbid in general for Kohanim, and therefore, but the shkatsim and the blood that apply to the rest of 
right? The people, maybe there, you can be, in fact, more lax, because it says, we're more serious, and there, and in order to dispel that notion, we say that no. Whether it's an Isser, uh, Karis, or it's an Isser of Malkus, or it's a Revius, or it's a Mashu, or it's Shavalakol, it's not Shavalakol, you cannot facilitate these Averas. And that's why the Gemara concludes, Tzricha, we need all three cases. So now, we're finally gonna bring it back, as Gorano has requested, and we're gonna finish off this parak by bringing it back to the case of marriage. Toshma. Now we're back into our Mishnah. So you had a, right, a Cherish and a Pikach brother, and they married two sisters, and they're both of uh, mental competence. So, now again, if two brothers marry two sisters, you can't have Yibum, because it's Achos Ishto. You're not allowed, right, it's one of the Arayas. You don't do Yibum on Achos Ishto. What's happening here? One of the brothers is not mentally competent. So therefore, what happened? Let's say the, right, the, and both women here are mentally competent. So let's say the one who's mentally incompetent dies. So what is the competent brother going to do? Well, that's like a regular case, right? It doesn't matter that your brother was not mentally competent. You are still married to your wife legitimately. And, and your wife's sister is certainly her blood sister. And so it's a regular case of Arias and she goes out. Right? So, with, you know, no get, no nothing. You don't do chalitza, don't do yivum. That is a classic uh, error like the first mission in Yuvamas. What about meis pikeach ba But the question is, what if the mentally competent brother dies? So now, the mentally incompetent brother has a, a conundrum. Why? Because his relationship to his brother is daraisa, but his relationship to his wife, because he's a cherish, is only darabanan. Oh, so now, his relationship to his wife is darabanan, and now his wife's sister is, is a relationship. So what, is, what does he have to do? Yeah. Because he now has, through his brother, who is related to obviously by blood and therefore Daraisa, a Yavama has fallen to him now. And she is Achos Ishto. And therefore he has to re, now, therefore he has to divorce his wife because he had only been married to her Darabana. The Ashes Achiva Surla And he cannot, Obviously, uh, be mutter to his, right, brother's wife. And because of the problem that, again, his relationship to them, it was only Darabanan, and she's going to be Ashish Achiv. And so she is, with respect to his relationship to his brother, which is Daraisa, all the Yusurim fall on him. And therefore, that Yibum that just fell on him, uh, caused a problem, caused a tragedy. He has to now, Divorce his current wife because that was only Darabanan because he only could marry her Darabanan because as a Kherish, he only has the mental capacity to create a Darabanan condition. But the Gemara asks, Am I Motsi Ishta Beget? But still, why does he have to under the condition? Bringing it full circle back to our issue. After all, he's a Kherish. A Kherish Shotavakatan aren't Chayiv and Mitzvahs. So, okay, he's not allowed to, to stay with his wife because, right, she is his, right, right, because she, because a Yavama just fell to him and she's the Yavama's sister. But he's a cherish, so why does he have to worry about that? He can eat McDonald's, he can do all of these things. Let her stay with him, because it's mutter for him. Well, it's not us for him, is the point, right? He's like a katan ochel nevelos. Maybe if it's mutter for a katan to continue to eat nevelos. Now, I would have said, what do you mean? But to continue to eat nevelos, you're allowed to do? It just means you're not allowed to stop him. But here we know that it's happening? Okay. But the question be as it may. He's a cherish. He's not mechoy of mitzvahs. So why are we forcing a get 
where there's an Isser. The Leitrim just continue by Says the Gemara, no, Mishum Isser Adida. Don't forget, in this particular case, both girls were mentally competent. And she has an Isser. That's a little bit of a Chiddush that she has an Isser. But that's what Rashi is, is, is saying, that she's, she is uh, liable to punishment. This is a forbidden marriage to her, and she is mentally competent, and therefore it is for that reason that the Cherish has to give her a get. We're going to do a few permutations of this now. Tashma. So in this case, both brothers are mentally competent, and they're marrying two sisters. However, so one of them is mentally incompetent. So if the one who was married, the brother who was married to the mentally incompetent wife dies, so the had a marriage. They both had mutual right consent. And so therefore, but now, a woman fell to him, and she's certainly a sister, She's certainly, a, again, that has nothing to do with mental competence. She's certainly a blood relative of his wife. That's Achosishto. That's one of the Arias. And therefore, Tetzimishum Achosisho, says the Gemara. Right? She's going to be classic erva. She's going to have to go out. How, and no get, no nothing. No chalitza, no get, no nothing. Everything is uh, canceled because of Arias, as we said in the first Mishnah in Yevamas. However, meis pikach bal pikachas. However, if what happens is the husband who is himself mentally competent, but is married to a mentally incompetent woman, now has to do yibum on his mentally competent sister-in-law, his wife's sister. Now the woman, don't forget, when it comes to getting the chereshes can receive a get. But when it comes to kiddushin, there has to be mutual consent. And therefore, even though the man is mentally competent, that marriage is derabonon. And therefore, motzi is ishtobeget. Therefore, he has a derabonon connection with his current wife, but he just hopped the Doraisa connection with, with the Achas Ishto who felt him in Yibum because that's a blood relation. Wait a minute. But that blood relation is only through his Durban and marriage. So that shouldn't be a problem. But it's also his brother's, right? She's also an Acho, um, an Ashes Achiv. So he has to, uh, release his own wife with a get. And then the Ashes Achiv, because that really comes through a legitimate, right? A legitimate Yibum because they're both that's his real brother, may may Aviv. She for her he has to give chalitza. The question is again, his wife is a chereshes. Why does he have to release his wife for the get? Let her live with him, so to speak, in sin. Uh, her sin doesn't matter. Taste of gabe. Let her stay with him. She's a chereshes. Why do we care? Says the gemara. No. And the kasha would be In other words, it would be like for her at least. She's a chareshes. It wouldn't be a problem because she is a chareshes, and maybe a katanochal nevelos. You're allowed to leave it, as Rav Padas had said. However, obviously the Gemara says mishum day, right? There, it's his own isser. In other words, he is mentally competent, and he knows that she's usher to him. So of course he has to divorce her, even though for her it's not an avera. So now we're going to finish it off with the final case where both it's I'll give it away. Both the husband and the wife are going to end up being cherish. Ah, well, if both the husband and the wife are Chereshim, why don't we know them, let him just live happily ever after, albeit in sin? So you have a mentally competent couple, and then a mentally incompetent couple where both the husband and the wife are mentally incompetent. That Kiddushin is Darabonin. We still let him marry, but it has a level of Darabonin in terms of their relationship. So now, and so the incompetent male died. That's the case of the Yibum. So now you have the incompetent female falling to a man who's mentally competent, married to his, her mentally competent sister, and he has a mentally incompetent uh, female 
uh, sister-in-law fall to him. So what should a man do? Well, the problem is he's married to his wife legitimately, right? That's a Daraisa. And guess what? That wife has a legitimate biblical Midaraisa relationship to her sister. She may not be mentally competent, but she sure is her sister. That's Achos Ishto. That's a Erva Daraisa. So the Motzis, and yet, uh, right, so in that case it's simple. However, if the opposite happens, now we get the issue. Oh, if the competent male died. So now, so now you have an incompetent male and female married, and a, the competent sister fell to him in Yibum. Now his relationship to that competent sister is only Midorabanon, because his relationship to his own wife is only Midorabanon, because he's a Cherish. So now, Motzis Yishtub again, now he has to divorce his Cherish wife. And as we said before, right, his wife's sister is going to be Asur Olam. And here we say, But here we're saying, wait a minute, of all the cases where one of the couple, one of the members in the couple is competent, we say, well, they know that they're living in sin. But here you have a Cherish, and a Cherishus. Neither of them have any responsibilities as far as getting out of the marriage, because even though it's an Isser, they're a Cherish and it shouldn't matter. Therefore, why are we making this incompetent, mentally incompetent couple get divorced? There's, neither of them have an Isser. And yet we still say, Is this not in direct contrast with Rav Padas, who says that when you have a Katan, you're not allowed to let them eat Nevelas? In other words, one who is not Chayev, we don't force them to avoid Isser. Here we have Cherish and Chereshit, neither of them are Chayim, and yet we do force them to avoid Isser by getting the gets. No. In other words, let's say there's, in the event that there's other brothers, it's going to give the wrong impression because we're going to think that she could just go free, right, even though she really couldn't, right, um, just, go, uh, just go free. If we said that we're allowing them to live together, so we're going to think that the other sister who came out. In other words, if we're going to let them live together, we're going to assume that they're legitimately married. And then we're going to assume that the sister that was competent, that was Asr, would be Mutzal Ashuk, and that's not the case. So in order to not give that misimpression, we force the get so that everybody understands that that was the Isr here. Hadron Allah Cheresh, the end of the parak. Bezat Hashem will resume with the next parak tomorrow.